Welcome back to the Legacy Through Motherhood podcast. This is Stephanie, your host. Welcome. I'm so glad you're here. If you are new here, I'm starting this one off like different than ever before. So just hang, bear with me for a second. Um, But there are a couple different things going on. Number one, we are almost 80 episodes into this podcast. My goodness, 80 weeks into the Legacy Through Motherhood podcast, where we've talked about generational change and changing the narrative of your family or culture or whatever it might be, and learning how to leave this legacy as a mother and really standing in the power of your motherhood to do that. And I've loved all these conversations. We have, um, we've talked around five main topics, faith, finances, marriage, mindset, and health. And so a couple things that I want to just touch base on really quickly. You know, I don't have 400 episodes or anything, but 80 is still a lot. Like if you are new to me and you're like, yes, I love this conversation on how to drive generational change within my own family and whatever else, but you're feeling a little overwhelmed or you're the person that like wants to start at the beginning. I want to talk through two things. Number one, I do have a podcast directory. If you go to my website at simsarrows.com, S-I-M-S, arrows.com, and just type in like the search bar podcast directory, all of the episodes that I have ever done are on there and they are separated by topic. So they're separated by faith, or wow, faith, finances, health, marriage, and mindset. So if you have come to me and you're like, man, I really just want to binge finances, or I really would love to just binge faith ones, that is going to be a great place for you to start and get the most out of this podcast. Now, another thing that I'm going to be doing sporadically is this episode right here. So this, I'm kind of going to start this best of legacy through motherhood series. And for those of you who have like listened to every single episode, I love you so much. (laughs) And I've actually thought about doing this series and doing like, you know, six, almost as a maternity plan. If you don't know, I'm 30 weeks pregnant with our fifth, Um, almost as like a maternity plan to do like six weeks of releasing kind of the best of LTM. However, if you are someone who has like been with me from the very beginning, six weeks of not new content (laughs) probably is not super exciting for you. So I want to respect both people. I want to respect the people that have like come in mid journey and are just loving this conversation and maybe haven't had time to, you know, catch up and listen, you can love this podcast. I have so many podcasts that I absolutely love and I would rate like a 10 out of 10, but they've got 200 episodes and I've probably listened to 10 and I'm like an avid podcast listener, right? So no shame in your game. If you have, if you love this podcast, you just haven't gotten around to all the episodes. However, um, I, I biasly believe that they're all great, <laughs> but I also know that there are some episodes in the 80 that almost 80 that we have done here. There are some that are just straight fire. There is just guests that were absolutely amazing. There is packed with content, super helpful, super practical. And so what I'm going to do, I am not going to do like a six week best of LTM series where it's just <laughs> the same kind of, um, content, over and over again, what I am going to do is I'm going to sporadically put from now until the end of time (laughs) or whenever I decide to stop, um, I'm going to sporadically put these best of LTM episodes kind of sprinkled throughout. And so this is going to be your first one. You're going to hear the interview from Dr. Heather Rhodes and I, and where we talk about low libido, sex drive, um, stress, all kinds of stuff. And she just brings, I mean, this was one of the most downloaded episodes of all time on Legacy Through Motherhood podcast. So if you have not listened to this, this is like one that you want to just dive straight into. Uh, If you have listened to it, I've actually listened to it probably twice now, (laughs) two or three times and I was in the interview. Okay. So there's just so many nuggets to pull out of it. And so we're going to start with hers, but Coming down the pipe, you guys, I'm very, very excited. So if you listened last week, we talked about the 12 different types of privileges that people could find themselves having. We talked about, you know, obviously white privilege and and skin color. That's something that is talked about a lot right now, but there are so many other types of privileges also that you may or may not have. And there's a whole spectrum that you could sit in for any of these. And on that episode last week, I said, this week, we're going to be talking about choices and the difference between um, having choices or having good choices and making good choices. And I've learned there's a difference, right? There is a difference between making good choices with the choices that you have and actually having (laughs) good choices to make. 
And um, it kind of piggybacks off of last week's episode with privilege. However, I sat down to write this episode and I realized it really needed to be a conversation, not just me kind of flying solo. Could I have brought you the content solo? Absolutely. I just didn't feel like it did the conversation justice. So I am getting ready to um, record that episode actually as a conversation. So you guys will be hearing that um, either next week or the week after. And then I'm also kind of be talking about or interviewing another parenting specialist who is amazing, amazing, amazing. And we're going to be talking about a special topic. I'm going to just leave it at that in about two weeks. And then after that, I'm going to be bringing on an OT, occupational therapist. We're going to talk about how OT and behavior. I am dealing with one of my kids having very impulsive behavior, both verbally and physically, and then also being very sensory seeking with like deep pressure. (laughs) And I'm like, what is going on? Uh, And I couldn't quite figure it out. And all of a sudden I started putting pieces together and everything started to point to OT. And it's funny, the more I talk about some of his behaviors, which are very, very common for his age, and then I start tying it to how OT can help, people are like, wait, what? (laughs) Like my kid got diagnosed with ADHD or ADD or all these different things, but you're telling me I could have, like we never even considered OT. So anyways, we're gonna talk about the um, connection between like sensory needs and impulsivity and all kinds of stuff through an OT lens. And I'm gonna bring that to you via an interview. So we have a lot of new stuff coming, but for today, Today, I'm going to stop talking and I'm going to add in this episode, this conversation, this amazing, amazing interview with Dr. Heather Rhodes. If you're not following her on Instagram or whatever, and you have any kind of hormones that are out of whack, (laughs) which I feel like is literally 95% of us, you need to go follow her. She is so amazing with her knowledge and expertise and just this gem of a person. So without any further ado, here is our interview. These will pop up sporadically throughout the next however many years we are going with this podcast. So make sure you check them. It's just a way to make sure you don't miss any of the like amazing, amazing conversations or content you know, even if you don't have the time to like go back and listen to all 500 at some point. So enjoy and I will talk to you soon. All right. Hey, Heather, welcome to the Legacy Through Motherhood podcast. How are you? Hey, Stephanie, thank you so much for having me. I am super pumped to be here and doing well. Awesome. So can you just um, introduce yourself and kind of what you do uh, for anybody that doesn't know who you are? Yes. So my name is Heather Rhodes. I am on all the social medias as Dr. Heather Rhodes. I am a holistic pharmacist that helps women learn about and balance their hormones to better their health. So I tell women all the time, their hormones are good. They don't have to fight them. They are not something that we should hate and dread, but something that we can really simply and really effectively utilize to push for that health and wellness that we all want and desire so that our lives can be filled with joy and abundance and all the great things that God really has created us for. So I love looking at our design and function and how intricately we're created, um, and that's through hormones and utilizing them to really support that beauty and that like incredible self um, ability to experience healing with just coming into alignment with how our bodies are designed. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel, I mean, I said I already given, have kind of given like a frame of reference for this episode in the intro, but basically, I mean, the main goal here is for you just to help us or empower us or coach us, whatever the heck you want to call it. Um, Just like how to show up better in our marriages and specifically by understanding and kind of balancing our hormones. Like I feel like we all have this similar story as women in in moms where, and it might differ for other people, but you know, you fall in love, you get married, have babies, whatever. Um, but then like you quickly just become exhausted and then stress. And then, you know, that, which we'll get into later can cause like low libido and it's just all interconnected. And I feel like what the world says is diet and exercise and sleep. And I mean, if you're like in the infant stage, that's not super empowering because you never sleep and you're always exhausted, you know? And Diet and exercise is fine, but then there's like a billion diets out there and a billion different ways you can work out. So can you just speak into this and just help us kind of, I don't know, just like sort through all this noise and help us know where we maybe need to back up 
which is kind of in the, what a process I'm doing right now, and how to just like start over and maybe take a look at our hormones and kind of rework to build like a really good foundation. Yeah, totally. I think that that is one of the best parts about what I do, but also kind of the most frustrating is having to unlearn, having to teach women or help women unlearn that diet and exercise mentality, because that is usually what we're told even by doctors is like, oh, well, if you know, this is your problem, you should use diet and exercise to help it. And we feel like that's a natural holistic approach. But the problem is that usually dieting specifically and then like pushing and throwing ourselves into exercise is actually going to make whatever hormonal imbalance we're experiencing worse. And so if you're looking at, okay, what does my body need and how can I help support it so that it can shift itself back into balance? Because that's what our bodies are designed to do. So basically with hormones, they can very easily get unbalanced or imbalanced and then we experience symptoms. But the best part about them is when we support our bodies and support our hormones, they're able to fall back into balance on their own. I use the example a lot of times of like after you have a baby, pretty much your body kind of starts moving and going back to close to what it was before. Obviously, there's changes and differences, but we are shifting pretty effectively without you having to say, okay, body, decrease estrogen, increase progesterone. Like It just does it on its own. It's designed to do that. So when you can come alongside your body and really support it and help it to do that through different transitions and phases in life, then you're actually harnessing this power that hormones have that otherwise is being overlooked. So if you're just looking at diet and exercise, then you're missing really like this key to streamlining and getting super effective results by looking and supporting your hormones instead. And so when we talk about things like libido and what that has to do with really hormones at all, a lot of times it is still a lifestyle-driven issue. So when you experience things like exhaustion and low libido, it's totally true that sleep and stress management and you know feeling better about yourself, having those happy hormones and those endorphins you can get from exercise and physical movement are going to be beneficial. But I like to take it like a step deeper and really help women understand what's going on. So I'm just going to kind of give a brief background of what's happening here. Um, So your main hormones as a female are estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone. Testosterone is technically a male hormone, but women have to have it and we need it to actually keep those other hormones in balance. What happens is when our hormones get imbalanced, then those testosterone levels specifically will change. And the reason that's so important is because your big, big players for libido are testosterone and estrogen. So you need to have enough estrogen that, you know, everything is still flowing and moving down there the way it's supposed to. But then you also would be looking at having enough testosterone in order to allow that desire and really kind of the arousal and intimacy connective part of that be a component as well. But we don't want to ignore progesterone because progesterone is our hormone that causes relaxation. And so If we are low in progesterone, which is like the most common hormone imbalance I see, we actually end up having this just like basically running on fumes feeling. This is when that exhaustion and that fatigue and just feeling like our bodies can't do anything we know we want to do because they're just so run down. That happens when progesterone gets low. That's also a really common source of things like PMS and mood swings and we can't negate that like those have a pretty big effect on our relationships because when we're in a marriage that, you know, requires vulnerability and intimacy and communication, if we are just short fused and our mood and our body is physically in this space of fight or flight, then we can't even access those deeper parts of our brain that are going to build on those connections and that trust and really that rationale that helps us to be calm and patient and loving towards our husbands and our families when our body is physically experiencing a stressful period. Um, So that is just kind of the brief background on the hormones involved and what can happen. So if we want to look at kind of 
why are those progesterone levels low? Because like I mentioned, that's typically our biggest hormone imbalance that I see in women. It's because stress hormones are too high. And it's not necessarily your stress hormones, meaning like someone came up to you and was like, hey, Stephanie, are you really stressed out? You might would be like, no, I'm okay. I'm not super stressed out. But if I looked at your day-to-day life and said, where are sources of stress that her body may be feeling? I could probably identify a good amount, um, not just in you specifically, but just, you know, kind of most women. So I think about things like, what does your sleep look like? Are you skipping meals? Are you running on caffeine? Are you exposed to blue lights all the time? Is your body low in some of those, um, basically coping mechanisms for handling stress, doesn't know how to turn off fight or flight, doesn't know how to keep those stress hormones low. And so if your stress hormones are high and calling the shots, then all your female hormones get out of balance. And it's really hard for you to basically engage in this natural, like beautiful process that our bodies were designed to because your body's physically asking you for something different. Um, So I'll kind of take a little break and let you ask questions about any of that if you have it. I don't want to like overload. <laughs> no, I could literally probably sit here all day because I'm thinking like, okay, um, my sleep schedule. Okay. my Am I running off of caffeine? Okay. Am I, am I <laughs> getting way too much blue light? Okay. Yes, 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 yes. I'm like, oh, okay. So I love, I love the, um, the conversation or I think that it's, um, eye-opening, I guess, and I've heard you talk about this uh, in, you know, other platforms, but we perceive stress as like, oh my gosh, I'm late for a soccer game or, you know, my kids are late for school, for work, for whatever, got to get, you know, that we can say, yes, I'm stressed out because of this, or maybe there was an argument or whatever else. It's the things that our body um, perceives as stress that we may not even realize. Like that is really eye-opening to me. So I know that um, some of them, like you were saying, like not eating right when you wake up because maybe you're not hungry, the different types of workouts you can do and uh, whatever else. So can you kind of talk about different things that maybe are causing stress to our bodies that women may not even realize, oh, that is like an underlying cause of stress to me that I can maybe either get rid of or find something different to do or something like that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So if we were to look at kind of our hierarchy of needs, then at the bottom is going to be like our basic physical biological needs. And so this is one I see all the time. It's women who take care of everyone else except themselves. Um, And typically that's moms who have lots of kids (laughs) or even two kids, but is also working and doing a career and a works out and has a side hustle and a group of friends and leads a Bible study. Like that's just so common. And so what I typically see is they are skipping meals. They're eating on the go. Their nutrition is just kind of like fly by the seat of their pants. And a lot of times if their body looks the way they want it to, they're okay with that. And that's totally cool. But the issue that usually presents is that that's really stressing your body out and kind of setting you up for experiencing some hormone issues, either closer to your PMS period when your hormones aren't as resilient or, you know, later on down the road as you go through different transitions in life and stuff. Also, um, not eating enough. So dieting, chronic dieters, really, this is a, a big point for them because dieting is sending a stress signal to our body. So it's saying like, hey, there's not enough resources to meet the demands of our day-to-day. So we need to go into basically fight or flight. And so what that can look like is your body is starting to shift like down-regulate your hunger signals. So what happens is it's easy to skip meals because you're not as hungry because your body's kind of adapted so that it can stay as comfortable as possible. But then it's also really trying to increase those stress hormones. So a lot of times people feel really great when they start diets in the beginning or do things like intermittent fasting or keto or whatever it may be. Um, But over time, it starts to be really unsustainable. And that's because you have this reserve of stress hormones that your body will run off of until it actually starts saying, okay, we can't keep this up forever. So we need to pull resources from other places. So what happens is it actually starts taking away those building blocks for other hormones that your body needs. So um, if we were to kind of look at like the big things that cause stress to your body, then we're looking at your diet and nutrition, are you having enough resources? Are you restricting certain food groups? What does your relationship with food look like? Um, how much sleep are you getting? What does your sleep look like? How much dopamine 
basically, I call it like addiction. Are you experiencing? So this is where our phones come in and people's access and availability to us and our input. So what, how much input is coming into your body day to day? So things like social media, TV, even podcasts, which are great, but that's still an input your brain is processing through. And so if you're someone who's just constantly getting input over and over and over again, then your brain is actually getting used to those really high levels of those dopamine and input signals. Um, And also stabilizing your blood sugar. So skipping meals or having meals that, you know, don't really keep your body or your blood sugar as stable as we want it to. And then a lot of times that's kind of paired with um, those of us who really, I know you CrossFit, I'm a CrossFit instructor. So I've lived this life where like, if I was going to work out, I'm going to work out. Like I am not doing yoga for 10 minutes or stretching. Like to me, that felt so, I don't want to say wimpy, but that's how I, that's what I thought originally when I entered the CrossFit world of like, no, I'm going to go all out and be really hardcore and look amazing and all of that. And that is actually one of the biggest stressors to our body. Because if we think about it on like a practical level, we are just lifting a bunch of heavy things and increasing our heart rate. And over time, our body thinks that we're doing it because we're like running from dangerous animals or like throwing rocks at people. Like our body has no idea that we're doing these things for fun because it's, it's still in that, you know, core design and function of how we were kind of meant to function outside of what our normal society looks like now, where we do things like running for fun and lifting heavy things for fun and skipping meals on purpose. Um, So those are kind of some big stressors and that's from a very like physical biological standpoint, but then we can't ignore that there are also emotional and mental pieces to this as well. So things like mental clutter, um, things like schedule and boundaries that aren't necessarily the way that would be optimal. And then also emotional issues. So what does your body confidence look like? What does your body love look like? What does your food relationship look like? Do you have food freedom? Um, Are you struggling through a shame and guilt cycle related to your body or your weight or your dieting? Um, And then how are you connecting with your body? Do you love it and trust it and serve it? Or are you kind of in this opposition with it because you don't feel like it's able to give you the results you want, whether that be on an energy level or physical level or, you know, whatever it may be. Um, And then as always, like emotional trauma and, you know, any type of unaddressed fight or flight engagement can be really damaging to your female hormones because your stress hormones, again, are taking over. Um, And that can be on like a macro level and a micro level. So I say a macro level, meaning like a very traumatic experience that you just haven't been able to work through, like loss or grief or financials or, you know, whatever it may be that's just really something that's burdening you over and over and over again. But it can also happen on this smaller level where, something may engage your fight or flight. Let's say um, like you are late for a doctor's appointment and traffic sucks and someone really angers you in traffic and they're super rude. And then you get to the doctor's office and they're super rude or someone says something and you feel all these emotions, but you shove them, right? Because like you're in public and you're around people and you really just kind of have to like hold it in. Well, all of those things just engaged your fight or flight because your initial reaction, you probably felt it was wanting to like yell or scream or get mad at someone, but you held it in and was like, no, I'm not going to. And then we just kind of hope that time handles that. So usually we just like go on throughout our day and don't bring it back up again. And actually what's happening during that time period is your fight or flight is staying turned on. So we're kind of pushing through with this fight or flight being on and never learning how to turn it off. And then, you know, the smallest little thing happens and we're just like going nuts on our kids or our husband. And actually it's this unaddressed issue that we haven't handled. Um, So that can happen a lot as well. And then the other way that that fight or flight can get turned on is through things like exercise um, or stressful confrontation. And again, if we don't ever turn it off, then our body kind of keeps riding it until eventually it gets a chance to reset, which sometimes happens with sleep, sometimes doesn't. Sometimes you can be someone who's just constantly turning your fight or flight on every day and then never turning it off and you're literally running on empty. And so like the example I use for that is if you were walking around and you basically had this like um, mug filled with water and it was filled to the like absolute brim and you never did anything to pour out or to like get any of that water out. If you had to walk around your entire day holding that mug with water, then like 
any little thing is going to trip you up and it's going to overflow. And that's what happens when we just consistently ask our bodies to do all of these stressful things and don't ever remove some of that like water or what I call some of the like emotional and biological and mental clutter that we just kind of push through and hope goes away by us doing more and more and more. Okay. So I love that analogy. I feel like I, you know, I'm, I, I'm just like, as I'm looking or as I'm listening to you, I'm sitting here like, this is my life. I think that I literally am living with this on and, and you saying that and giving that analogy, I feel like is opening my eyes <laughs> because I li- Justin cracks my husband cracks me up because literally the one of the boys um will like drop a toy and I'll like not be I'll be doing the dishes or something like looking away and they'll drop a toy. I swear to God, you think somebody like came in and like fired off a gun the way that I respond. Like literally, it's like oh my god, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like my I like jump and it's like my heart starts racing and then. Like they're looking at me like I just dropped my Hot Wheel. I'm like, oh my god, my heart is like a hundred miles an hour. Like what? Anyways, Justin will come up and I'll like be like, oh, like to try to tell me something, you know? And I'll be like, oh my god, what? He's like, you need to calm down. What is your deal? <laughs> but I feel like every loud noise or whatever, like literally, my like heart will jump out of my chest pretty much. And I'm like, otherwise, you know, I'm sitting here doing the dishes. I'm just chilling. So like, is that? Like, do you feel like that is me just like always having that just super like big stressor all the time? Yeah. So there's a couple pieces to that. Um, It could be that you're like a more sensory sensitive person, um, which just kind of means that to you, like you may like to exist at like a normally like very peaceful level. Like I'm kind of like that where like I like quiet, I like clean, like that type of thing. Um, But it could also mean that your fight or flight is turned on and you just haven't turned it off. So what I say is a good gauge is how resilient you are to stress. So if like, you know, your husband and you kind of get in an argument and immediately you're just flying off the handle um, and or your emotions just like go from zero to a hundred super quick, or you feel like I'm so exhausted and fatigued. I can't believe you're even like bringing this up right now. I don't want anything to do with you. Those are kind of more so those signals of like, okay, your body's probably needing more from you because you're not very resilient to the stress. Whereas like, um, the sensory things are a little different, but like what I think of when I think of like having stress resilience, it's when you can be like, someone can be elevating, Um, either emotionally or, you know, stress, like stress is elevating and you're able to kind of navigate through it without feeling out of control. Um, And that's a big one too, like, especially when, like, and I, I think of this example too, I'm sure you've experienced like legit hanger when you're like, oh my gosh, I am so hungry. And it totally changes the way you respond and react to like, 90% of the inputs you get, right? So like you, it's almost like, I mean, I know when I feel like this, it's almost like being in the grocery store and like, I can't think, I can't focus. Like if my husband's talking to me, I like have an attitude. My son crying just drives me nuts. And that's a totally different experience than if I like go to eat dinner and then want to peruse the grocery store aisles for 30 minutes. Like it's kind of that difference there. And like where your brain is at on like the ability to access kind of your like rationale and your more calming um, spots versus where you're at in terms of, you know, how to just like handle and process through those sensory engage- engagements and inputs. So you're ta- you were talking about the, um, you know, if you get stressed out going to the doctor's office, everybody's rude, whatever, right? And so then you just, you kind of put the, push that down. So, so what does it look like then if something like that happens? I mean, besides like coming home and maybe complaining to your husband or, or something, like right. <laughs> how, do, how, do you turn, how do you turn that off? Like how do you work through stress that is just like a normal everyday thing so that it doesn't compound so much? So we're not freaking walking around with this like full glass of water that's stressing me out. That. That analogy is like, oh, that's exactly how I feel. (laughs) So there's a couple ways. There are ways to do it outside of the moment and ways to do it in the moment. So quick and long-term, right? So like long-term, the best thing to do is to build your stress resilience. So how do you do that? It's by kind of doing a little bit of the hard work of digging out your sources of stress, of looking at where you're neglecting self-care and where can you really streamline your self-care. So this is something I see a lot is like we think that self-care is just like, okay, I'm going to... 
um, you know, put on, like take a bath and put on a face mask and like, that's my self-care. Well, that's great. But if you have physical, emotional, or mental needs that aren't being met, and that's where you're actually lacking of truly taking care of yourself, then your self-care is not going to be super effective. So I kind of help women a lot kind of strategize, okay, where's the area that you're most deficient in self-care? And then how do we make sure that you can do these self-care activities that are going to hit that specific area so that your self-care is actually effective? Um, But all of that is kind of a way that you're basically pouring water out of that cup so that when you do go through a day where things are being added to it, it's not likely to overflow. So that's kind of one way that you can be looking long-term. And then also long-term looking at, again, like meeting those biological needs. So every time that you eat and support your body, you have enough calories, you have enough sleep, you stabilize your blood sugar, you are aware of where your cycle's at, where your gut health is at, how to even like sync your schedule up with your period and cycling. Those are all ways that we are taking that full cup and pouring water out of it. So that when we go through life day to day, because chances are no matter what you do, like you can't control everything, things are going to be added to your cup. So someone's going to be pouring into it and making it more and more full throughout your day, week, month, whatever it may be. So the ways I teach women to really kind of or really kind of handle that when that starts happening is in the moment to get very patterned and routined around addressing that stress as soon as it happens. So for instance, like the example of driving in traffic, it'd be really easy for me to drive and be like super annoyed with someone and then just like go to the daughter's office and do nothing about it. But I can actually, because our thoughts are a major source of stress, I can actually verbalize and change my thought about that situation so that I'm not then taking that taking in or like adding to my cup from that situation. So an example of that, and again, this takes a lot of like Jesus and Holy Spirit too, but an example of that would be, um, so someone cuts me off in traffic and like my first response is like, oh my gosh, they're such an idiot, right? Um, But instead I could think like, or an example, even saying that, then I would be like, I'm going to be late and everything's going to be terrible. And like, we kind of like spiral. So instead of that, I say like, okay, let's take it back and just say, I don't know the situation this person is in. I hope they're okay. My day is not ruined. I will still have a great day from this. And like almost even like preaching to yourself before your brain kind of naturally falls down that fight or flight, right? And then that's kind of one way to handle that mentally or emotionally. And then if we want to handle it on a physiological standpoint, there is a lot of power in doing deeper breathing. So essentially like just taking time to be silent and breathe. There's also power in releasing. So like you mentioned, the reason we go and talk to other people about a situation is because that actually releases stress because our brain can figure out how to process and where to store that interaction. So I actually teach women to do that a little bit to themselves. So I use Voxer um, or like a walkie-talkie app, like whatever you want to use on your phone, voice recording memos or whatever, to basically explain and process through, like get that situation out so that I've verbalized it. And a lot of times I try to pay attention to ways that I can infuse truth into that story that may not be what the truth felt like, if that makes sense. Um, You know, so saying like, you know, this is what happened. This is what this person did to me, blah, blah, blah. And then just leaving it. And a lot of times that's really helpful when you're in relationship with other people because I was going to say that has to be really powerful in a marriage to be able to walk away for a second and be like, okay, wait, this is what I heard. Yeah. And then also like getting that out. And so when I talk to people too about like how to release and relieve stress. So another thing to do, just thinking about that example we said is you can go home and like you can get your kids inside and you can literally go outside and yell. Yelling is a physical release. It sounds really crazy. There's also another, um, like there's been studies to show that laughing is another form of physical relief. And so that will actually decrease cortisol levels. And so having um, like memes or funny stories or like basically a place in your phone, maybe Instagram posts where you've saved some things that make you laugh every time going back through and looking at those. It could even be like videos of your kid or whatever. Um, Also move, I, I say movement, but I mean kind of like a quick change in input. So immediately you could maybe turn on like a song you really like and move and dance to it and like allow those happy endorphins to come through your brain. And then, um, poses. So I use like restorative poses as a way to lower 
stress levels as well. So things that physically will lower cortisol levels. And so that could look like legs up the wall or whatever when you get home paired with some deep breathing so that you can literally reset your body in addition to, you know, how you've already reset your mind because our mind's super resilient. It can push through and we can go through the rest of our day and something new distracts us from whatever we felt. The problem is that our body's still feeling it until we actually allow it to release it. And it's kind of why, um, you know, toddlers are actually a great example of how to handle stressful situations because even though they do it in a way that we deem as socially inappropriate, they're still immediately releasing their stress. So that's a lot of times why, you know, we don't see kids with a lot of the same, um, like chronic issues that we have as parents, like Mm. inflammation and like all of that stuff because they feel something and they release it. And so doing that on a micro level to yourself or in an appropriate environment is actually something we should be doing for ourselves and even teaching our kids rather than, you know, kind of teaching them, well, this isn't socially appropriate, so you shouldn't do it. Um, Because it's actually really powerful that they're designed to do that. That's a very innate and like purposeful response to throw tantrums and have that physical release of their emotions. It's just, we have to kind of teach them when it's appropriate and the best ways to do that while still honoring the ability to release those things. Well, and I feel like this is so empowering because just like circling around to almost everything you just said, but at the beginning you were saying like, it's really hard to um, be in a like, whatever, in a marriage where you are kind of expected to be like vulnerable, um, you know, there's intimacy, there's all of these things. But if you are constantly, my kids are screaming. I don't know if you can hear them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, my, um, but it, if you are constantly in this fight or flight, if you're constantly like so stressed out, it's, it's really hard to like get in a place mentally um, and physically really if you're you know, struggling and you're not getting these out in a different way. And like, seriously, like I listened to you when you were on Allie's podcast. That was the first time I've ever heard in my entire life, Heather, um, like really anything about this. And I feel like I'm pretty well read. Like I, you know what I mean? I am constantly like listening to podcasts. I am reading like personal development is my jam. Um, and so, yes, I've heard about like hormones and stuff. Although I, Maybe this is not right. Maybe I'm just entering into this world, but I feel like it's a fairly new thing, this like intuitive kind of health, like your hormones are more important than the diet. I feel like it's been, we've been in like a dieting culture. Oh, yeah. Uh, anyways, I, I feel like it is just so empowering that I can actually like figure out how to cope with my own stress, which then makes me into a better person, a better mom, better, better wife, which helps my marriage, right? Um, and then teaching your kids how to do that. Like, I just feel like that is yes. so powerful. Yes. I love that. Um, I think it is. And, and that's really what kind of spurred me on to do the work I do because I really got to this point. I'm a clinically trained pharmacist. So I was working in doctor's offices and pharmacies and all of that. And it, it like hit me one day, like, okay, why would God design our bodies to work so well and so amazingly for all of these years, like, like all the societies and generations before us. And now all of a sudden they just stop working and require a chemical substance every day to function the way it's supposed to. And I was like, that doesn't make any sense. And so that's really when I started like diving into, okay, how are our bodies designed? What are all of these problems that doctors are telling us, you know, birth control will fix? And it all started from our fertility journey. So birth control and hormones was a big source for me of like, well, what could actually be happening and going on here? Um, And then kind of looking at okay, like this is how our body was designed to function. And actually it's super smart that our body turns off our sex hormones and our sex drive and our sex signals when it feels that there is a threat. So when our stress hormones are too high, our body says like, okay, we're not in a safe environment. We don't have the resources we need. There is, it would not be wise of us to basically keep these hormone levels high and keep engaging in these activities when supporting another life is not going to be sustainable. And our bodies will protect us and basically keep us alive for as long as, you know, 
it, that's its primary goal, like as long as it can. Um, everything your body does has a protection mechanism is, in it that when it feels a threat, it will do whatever it has to do and shut down any other process it needs to to keep your heart beating and your lungs working, basically. Um which is incredible and amazing. But the problem is we kind of live in a society where our bodies are running off of those systems instead of thriving in the system of, okay, what does it look like to have lower stress levels and thriving female hormones and, you know, having libido and having energy and experiencing, you know, acne-free days and experiencing a gut that works really great and not kind of battling our weight all the time. And, and all of those little pieces that we as women, even having like periods that aren't the worst periods we've ever had or like the worst week of our life or, you know, requiring us to stop everything. And so I really just think that when we start focusing on how we're designed as women and honoring and supporting that system, our body really, I mean, it's slowly when we're, it's slow when we're consistent, which is how we want it. But because it's been so common for us to get those like instant demands, instant results, fast paced, like we want things fixed and we want to stay comfortable for as long as possible. It kind of like allowed our society to shift into this realm of like, okay, we'll do this and you'll get this result, which not always is the case long-term. And a lot of times when we, when it comes to medicines, we do those things and we get that result we're looking for, but then we have a problem that now we have to take another med for or do something else to fix. And like, it just kind of drives us deeper and deeper into this hole rather than looking at, okay, what is the source of the problem and how do we actually like fix that? Um, and I know we had talked about, I did want to mention, if you're okay, I wanted to go ahead and like just kind of mention for your listeners so they know some of the things that are going to be throwing their hormone levels off and potentially creating this low libido fatigue overwhelm cycle. Yes. Um, so so we um, just like preface this. So we talked on Boxer a little bit ago or whatever. And once I had my fourth, um, I was asking our my OB-GYN, who I absolutely love. She's super young, super sweet. Like I feel like she's very like – great. And I was asking about just like low libido and whatever else. And she basically looked at me and said, um, well, you, there's some like pills that you could take. Um, they do have pretty intense side effects. So, um, unless basically your marriage is falling apart, I would not recommend them. And the other option is like sexual therapy, basically. If, I mean, whatever we were just talking about, like just in general, um, because, you know, I literally had four babies in six years and nursed and whatever else. And so she was like, and that's that. Other than that, like, you know, in a couple of years, like, you know, things will hopefully be back to normal or whatever else. And I was like, okay, then <laughs> that's oh good to gosh. know. So yeah. that I know that we kind of started talking about this. So yes, if you want to, um, and you know what, let me just say one more thing before you go into this, because I don't know if you know this, um, but so marriage, so divorce, right? So this is a marriage episode. So it used to be, um, and this is just speaking into like how important your work is, Heather, but it used to be that the number one cause for divorce was infidelity. And the second uh, cause for divorce was like financial issues within a marriage. So, um, but it has changed. So now if you look it up, actually the number one reason is lack of intimacy. That's not just sexual. That's like emotional, you know, mental, whatever. Um, but that moved above infidelity. Wow. And so like, if we're talking about, you know, marriage is being at risk. Um, it's not even the cheating or the arguments or whatever. It's like this lack of intimacy. And I can't help but like as you're talking, you know, just putting it all together that like everyone's so freaking stressed and has so much input these days that they're, you know, that intimacy isn't happening on so many different levels. Like I said, not just physically. Um, and then people grow apart. So yes, please just like go all into this. But I just think what you do, what you do is so, so needed in our culture right now. Oh my gosh. Well, I appreciate that, but I can totally, the other thing, like I just, just thinking and like hearing what you're saying, I just wanted to like jump on board to that too, because a lot of times if we're experiencing this, it, it's very common, especially because of the way like society's kind of realmed and culture and all of that for the enemy to really allow shame and guilt to come in. And that becomes our immediately, our immediate like response, right? Is like, we feel shame and guilt that we don't, desire intimacy. And we feel shame and guilt that we don't, you know, enjoy our bodies and feel confident in them or shame and guilt that our bodies, you know, look or perform the way they do in whether, you know, exercise or whatever it may be. And so 
I really love to give people an understanding of things that can cause, you know, intimacy and libido and hormones to be off balance because when you have that education and that power, you can fight that lie from the enemy so strongly because you start to realize like it is not you. It's not who you are. It is a side effect of something that your body is designed to do. Your body is acting the way it is supposed to based on the inputs it's given. And so you have the power to change those inputs and to experience change and results without ever having to feel, you know, the shame and guilt cycle that comes alongside of it. Um, So thinking of like, okay, what are things that could cause us to feel, you know, a lack of desire, lack of intimacy, these like low libido issues. And so the first thing is meds and other conditions. So, you know, a lot of people, if they have outstanding or like kind of know like, oh, I have this specific disease state or long-term condition that can be playing a role. But for most of the population in general, if we're looking at meds that can typically cause it, we are looking at things like synthetic hormones or birth control. Um, even if it is, a topical birth control or like a device, as well as antidepressants and mood stabilizing medications, any kind of type of psychiatric medication can impact this as well. It doesn't mean you have to stop those things. It just means like, I want you to be aware that like, okay, that could be a source for it because a lot of people, you know, take a medication and never even realize that that's what's actually causing their lack of desire rather than it again, being like something internally wrong with them or their partner. Um, And then the second thing would be stress. So high stress hormones. And then um, your body, the next thing would be your body having an inability to create or break down hormones. Um, Sorry, I know you hear that baby. Oh, you're totally fine. (laughs) Mine were screaming a a couple minutes ago. Okay. Are you okay if I grab him real quick? Can you edit this out? (laughs) Oh, yeah. You're fine. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Hold on. Let me grab him. You're good. He's fine. He's good. That was a false alarm. Okay. Um, so then your body needs to be able to create hormones effectively and break down hormones effectively. And so to do that, it needs all of the building blocks. So you need good nutrition. You need to be sure that you're not having nutritional deficiencies. And then we want to look at your gut health because your gut health is a huge player in keeping those female hormones balanced. Um, And then obviously, aside from the other things we talked about, about like the emotional and mental areas that you can be working on. So things like um, confidence and body loves, you can utilize affirmations for this and then food freedom and really just kind of tackling that um, connection and intimacy on other levels with your partner as well. Um, But then I wanted to give some practical steps for, okay, what does it look like to make sure my body has all that it needs to create healthy hormones and healthy balance, and then also to keep my gut balanced. And so um, if we look at that, we're looking at enough calories, enough sleep, stabilizing blood sugar, lowering stress like we already talked about, um, gut health. So really utilizing, um, you know, your ability to research your own body and kind of figure out, okay, like how is my digestion? How is my gut moving? What foods, you know, cause trouble for me? Where is there, um, potentially some inflammation that I experience after certain foods? Like that is all things that we can do and learn and like grow in knowledge about our bodies and ourselves without having to immediately look for a, um, like outside source, like a medication that could have crazy side effects. And then when we talk about exercise, because we mentioned earlier in this episode that exercise plays such a, it's, it's something that people tell us all the time, like, oh, we'll just lose weight and exercise and eat better and your problem will go away. And so when I'm thinking of lowering stress hormones, increasing libido, giving your body a boost so that it can make all those female hormones it needs to so that you experience that thriving result we were talking about, then I'm looking at exercises that have that mind-body connection. So doing things like I mentioned that I used to resist so much, like yoga and Pilates and deep breathing and stretching and like all of that, because those are actually ways that we we move our body to help utilize our muscles to improve blood flow and to stabilize blood sugar, but also lower cortisol levels. So keep those stress hormones from being too high. Um, so that's kind of the looking at the sources of these issues and then what you can do to overcome those. And then I wanted to be sure your audience walked away with a couple practical tips. I'd love to hear if you've heard this too. Um, 
So have you heard that, so about this study, they did a study and looked at basically couples and said, okay, basically they were looking more at satisfaction in the intimacy realm of a relationship. And they found that being intimate one time a week was just as effective for couples across the board as those that were intimate three to four times a week. Have you heard that? I have not. Isn't that crazy? I feel like that's that so is crazy. crazy. <laughs> that's crazy. Um, to me, I was like, wow, that's pretty like, I feel like that lowers what we would think our standards are, right? So like thinking like, oh gosh, well, what does it even look like to build that intimacy and all of that? Um, but I thought that that was really helpful. It was shared with me one time and I was like, man, that just like put so much perspective on this whole realm of, you know, intimacy and how important it is for me to serve my body in a way that I really feel, you know, thriving and ready to be the best mom, be the best wife and kind of like do all of those, um, like, like tackle all of those areas and serve my body in all of those ways as well. And then um, there's also a hormonal effect from being intimate where it's actually turning on your testosterone hormone cascade. And remember, we talked in the very beginning of the episode about testosterone being something that can easily kind of drop when our stress hormones are really high. And so um, I just thought that was really cool too, that like God designed us so intricately that when we are intimate, our bodies kind of start ramping up our production of those hormones to keep that pattern going. Um, And again, like just utilizing these things as power and as knowledge to know that like, it's not you. There's no shame. There's no guilt. And there are so many other options you have besides taking a medicine that's going to be, you know, super potentially effective in all these other realms of your health or just kind of dealing with it and going to a therapist that you may not even know or trust to align with your values and your views on sex. Well, and I think that um, when you, I, well, let me not get into the culture of sex that we have. Um, oh <laughs> I'm not going to go there, but um, but I also think that there is just this, um, you know, if you watch any movie, any whatever, right? It's like this. It, it portrays, which some women are like this, totally fine. Some aren't. We're all, you know, there's a whole spectrum here, but it typically portrays that like you guys, like two people, look at each other and they're like, bam like ready to go. Um, where there is a lot of science, there's a lot of whatever that like, especially women. Um, and again, not all the time, but it like takes longer. Like the fact that you aren't like ready to go typically not going to get too into like into details, but typically like it's a, it's a, like you said, like a, your testosterone starts to build as you're being intimate. So typically I think guys are just like, you know, ready to go any point in time. But for women, typically, you know, it's like, you don't necessarily maybe feel that like right at the beginning, but like throughout or whatever, like it, it builds. And that is, like you said, it's just, that's how God made us and you know, whatever else. And so I think that, um, that's also just really important. Like you were talking about this whole like shame cycle or whatever. I feel like culture, um, you know, the worldview or whatever, um, of sex and what that looks like in movies and what it, whatever. And so I feel like there's this disconnect between like what it actually is and what it isn't. Um, so I think that this all just kind of interconnects so deeply. Oh yeah. yeah. And also like just thinking of that, I was thinking about how like our female, so male hormone cycles basically run on a 24 hour period. So they can like, this is kind of why guys can diet and experience crazy results in like four days. Um, because their hormones turn over so quickly and like their bodies are designed basically to kind of like operate on the much larger or quicker scale. Whereas for females, we have like a 60 to 90 day hormone turnover. So that means that like the basically hormonal effects you're experiencing now truly from like your estrogen and progesterone levels are reflective of 60 to 90 days ago. Um, which again, is just kind of like harnessing that information and knowing like, okay, like it matters how I support my body now because it's going to change how my hormones respond later. But then also, um, utilizing, so you were talking about like kind of like how our bodies are designed where testosterone starts increasing and that kind of system gets turned on and is more likely to stay on and stay engaged. And then the other thing I really encourage women with is knowing their cycle. So like knowing what cycle day you're on and how that's affecting your mood in all areas. Um, So our female hormones that are meant to really kind of like allow us to be feeling more engaged to 
really upregulate both of those systems of estrogen and testosterone are really active from day 7 to 21 of our cycle. And once we kind of get out of that phase, those levels, those hormones kind of drop off a little bit. So also knowing what day of your cycle you're on and utilizing that to help you figure out kind of where you're at with how you're feeling um, and your mood and intimacy and all of that stuff, I think can be really powerful as well. Well, and I, and honestly, I mean, depending on how close you are with your husband, I feel like that's also like, you know, maybe not something he needs to go do research on, but it's also like good for for your husbands to know. Mm-hmm. Like there is a difference. And um, this is kind of sidestepping this a little bit, but I love – I just want you to speak into this really quickly because I love this um, with what you do. Uh, so I know that you work obviously to help women like balance their hormones to help all of these things that we've been talking about. Um, but first of all, wow, with the whole 60 to 90 day thing, I don't know that I've heard that yet. Um at all. That's a little bit like mind blowing. So the, just the fact that it takes time, you know, like how many times do you see women, um, you know, start something like this? I'm sure like a a diet or a workout, especially if they're working with you or maybe they're pulling back some from like really like some really intense stuff and they're not seeing those results right away. Um, and I love the what you say where you have said it somewhere where the heck I heard it. But basically, you know, if if your your clients are feeling better, they're like, you know, have more energy, they have more sex drive, they have more whatever the heck, but they haven't lost the 10 pounds they want to lose, you're like, dude, take the 10 pounds and run with it. Like you're oh feeling gosh. better. Like what? what? So like speak into that. Do you what is like the struggle that you feel like women are having here? Oh gosh, girl. Yeah. I think that again, it's so ingrained in our minds that essentially like we should look a certain way, we should feel a certain way and that that should be the same every single day and all of the time. Like even like after you have kids and like getting back to pre-baby body and like all of those things. Right. And so Stephanie, can you hear me? I feel like we got disconnected. Okay, okay. Hey, sorry. I was on mute. <laughs> I try to mute myself because my okay. I feel like um, my kids will be screaming in the background like or whatever. Um, I can hear you now. Yeah. It sounded like something got, got knocked over. <laughs> okay. So really, if we think about yeah. it, our bodies are not designed to basically Perfect. do the same thing yeah. all the time no, throughout our entire lives or feel the same way throughout our entire lives, right? And so a lot of times when we believe those lies, It just kind of forces us to try to fit these molds that we weren't ever meant to fit in, and then we get super discouraged, especially when it comes to things like diet and weight and bodies and all of that, because when, I see this all the time with dieting, like just kind of piggybacking off of that whole hormone thing, is that we do something, and typically we last about 60 to 90 days, and we don't see these results that we thought we wanted, and we're actually never really walking into it with super clear results anyways. And then when we don't see that, we quit. And so that causes stress to our body because we've just given our body a totally different signal than it's gotten its whole life. And then we're going to stop and go back to normal and then probably start a different cycle that's totally different too. So then we start feeling so discouraged and so overwhelmed and feel like it's us and nothing works. And it's not our fault. It's our body trying to respond and adapt to all these different things we're doing and changing. And it's doing exactly what it's supposed to be doing. It's just that no one has taught us what our bodies are supposed to do. And that's like a huge passion of mine is educating people like on their diet and on their hormones and on their body and like how it's doing exactly what it's supposed to do. And once you know that information, again, like you're streamlining results and you're being insanely efficient and effective with what you're doing and what efforts you're giving your body in terms of support that like. It, it makes total, you're like, oh my gosh, why have I not been doing this my whole life? Um, and I think it's just really sad and annoying that like, that's not a main part of what we're taught in things like 
sex ed and when we go to the doctor and when we learn about like being women and females and our periods and all of that stuff. Yeah, like they teach us all these things about tampons, but never teach us about what a cycle right. they like feel like, weird, what our cycles like look like, what year old chick in sixth grade teaching us about all, <laughs> about all of this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I, you know, I always had like an app, um, you know, like whatever to track my period. And it was always asking me, how do you feel today? Like smiley face, frown face, mad face. I'm like, what? Who cares? Like I would never track that stuff. Um, the only time I ever really paid attention is after we miscarried. Um, we had like, a, I mean, I say harder time getting pregnant, but not, I mean, it took eight months, which is not like a, a long time, but like for us, it, it just didn't, we got pregnant really easy with our first. And so I was like nervous the whole time after we had miscarried that like, oh my gosh, something jacked up, like got jacked up. Cause it's not happening anyways. But now I'm like, oh, they're like actually asking like those, all those apps that you can, um, do you, do you even use an app? I think I use like flow or something like that. I don't know that like, or I get super moody okay. every now and then. And like, or acid reflux, that's another big one, but they've never connected it with their cycle. And then we do like cycle journaling for a few months and come to find out it's the same day every single month that they're experiencing things. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Well that tells us exactly what hormone is off and needs some support. So smart. Every single month. Oh, I believe it. Hmm. This is also interesting. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm like, oh, this is all connected. And, and it's, you know what? And back to what you said at the very beginning, like God did not create us to like function well until we turn 25 <laughs> and then just be like completely exhausted or completely, you know, whatever else. So, um, okay. So I have one last question, Heather, and then I, we can kind of wrap this up and you can kind of let people, well, I guess you already let people know where to do, but I know that, um, I don't know, we can talk about where else, what else you're doing or what else you're doing if you have anything to talk about. Okay. But, so, okay. So I saw this on your Instagram. Can you talk about really saying like seed what your cycling. body needs, how so, to keep <laughs> I want you to talk about this really quickly and then we can I wrap utilize up. seed cycling because there are seeds that are called phytoestrogens. Um, we all have phytonutrients, which are basically just like building blocks that come from plants that our body uses, right? Phyto means plant. And then we have some that can hit our estrogen receptors really mildly. And our body can start like kind of adapting based off of that interaction. And so what we do is we use seeds to promote an increase of estrogen production up to ovulation, which is when estrogen is supposed to be rising and then peaks. And then we give you other seeds that help to support progesterone levels. Um, so that they will rise the second half of your cycle when they're supposed to be high. And since progesterone is one of the like low progesterone is one of the most common hormone imbalances I see, it's usually from high stress because our bodies take so long to kind of start making those hormone levels and like changing the way it's making and breaking them down. I utilize those seeds to hit those receptors really mildly. So that way you can experience the results of having both of those hormones and both of those hormone interactions while, um, you know, your body's kind of catching up with all the other lifestyle and diet changes that you're utilizing. And so I have a graphic on, um, my Instagram and I'm always, always like when I send recipes through my weekly newsletters and stuff, I'm always adding in where to put your seeds in because it's super easy. You basically just throw like a tablespoon into a smoothie or onto a salad. I even put them on pizza sometimes. Sometimes I'll just take a spoonful of them. Um, but on my Instagram at Dr. Heather Rhodes, it has a graphic, which is probably where you saw it, that walks you through which seeds to take when um, and how you can utilize those. And then I have, so a big passion of mine is helping women understand that like PMS doesn't yes. have to be a thing, um, that your period can come and it not be this huge, terrible thing. And so in my PMS guide, I have listed like how you can utilize that seed cycling once you've been doing it for a few months to actually help your body transition into your period. Because what happens is when estrogen and progesterone are like decreasing, like they're supposed to, to start our period those receptors are like, oh my gosh, where's all these hormones? We feel terrible. So if you can kind of use those plants to give them a little extra love, then you actually transition really slowly and easily rather than it being this like roller coaster drop where you just feel emotionally out of control. Um, 
that's like one of my favorite, favorite things is to utilize seed cycling and help women to utilize it. I use it kind of like I, I share the basics of it, but then when I work with people one-on-one, we look at, okay, how else can we do this? And there are times I'm actually getting my, um, I'm doing like some naturopathic teaching to get certified as a naturopathic doctor. And I am learning so much about how foods can help balance things like estrogen and testosterone and progesterone. Um, and yeah, just like utilizing them in teas and flour mixes and like all the things. It's so exciting. Yeah. So, yeah. That's amazing. So, um, okay. So let's, are you doing any kind of coaching right now? I know that so I think your course I just closed. I do have a stress um, strategy like course. Too long ago. Do, when will that open back up? And can you tell us Everything how do people get in touch about, with you, work with stress, you, and then you know, whatever else. It makes it super easy. It's got that self-care strategy. It has all the things about um, how you can do self-care in five minutes or less, how you lower stress, what do those releases and restorative poses look like, all that good stuff. That is opening back up in September. Um, So it's closed right now, opening in September. Anybody on my email list is going to be told about that. Um, So if you're kind of like, oh, I really think I want it, then that's when that opens back. And then I am, I do have some spots for one-on-one coaching. And so the way that I... Um, set up to see if that's a great fit is through free consult calls. So you can head to my website, www.drheatherroads.com and sign up for a free consult call there. If you think like, Hey, I think I want some personalization or one-on-one coaching. I also offer just like one hour calls where we basically just kind of dive into you for an hour and I create a guide moving forward. That's going to be your super simple, easy, next best steps. Um, So it's not super overwhelming and overloaded. Um, and yeah, and coming up next week, we are opening a, um, it's called weight freedom. So it's basically looking at how do we create things like confidence and body love and food freedom while also keeping our hormones happy, keeping hormone, um, stress hormone levels low, boosting those female hormones so that our other areas of life don't suffer like our periods and our PMS and our libido and all of that stuff. Um, and I'm doing that with an amazing food freedom coach, Elizabeth Dahl, who actually, I know you just had Allie on. Allie connected us. I was like, Hey, you guys should work together. So we are doing a master class. It's open next week. I know. Yeah. And us too. It's so amazing how she's connected so many women. (laughs) Yeah. Here you are working together. <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Heather, for coming on and just loving and teaching this audience. I, I appreciate you. I appreciate all you're doing. Like I said, especially, I mean, gosh, just this work. I mean, I know you do it in like the health world, but seriously, the impact that it has in so many other places, um, different parts of our relationship, you know, when we can like show up as our best self. Um, and we're empowered to do that, right? Without taking some kind of freaking pill or going to some, I have nothing wrong with therapy, but like, yes. Yep. Absolutely. So, all right, guys, well, make sure you check out Dr. Heather Rhodes on all of the social platforms. And I will also link to her, all of her stuff in the show notes. All right, Heather, thank you so much. All right, you guys, that wraps up our first best of LTM series. Like I said, these, I don't even have a rhyme or reason for when these are going to drop in just kind of when it's on my heart to make sure you guys have heard some of the episodes that are just kind of cream of the crop. Um, this interview was amazing. I know that there were so many of you guys actually that reached out to Dr. Heather Rhodes and have worked with her with fertility and hormones and so many things. So I love her. I trust her with you guys. Um, I hope you enjoyed this episode, but keep a lookout for the best of LTM stuff that is going to be kind of randomly thrown at you every once in a while. Um, And they are good to listen to if you are new and haven't, or honestly, if you are somebody who listens to every single episode, a lot of these episodes, I have been in the interview myself (laughs) and I have re-listened to them because I have gotten so much out of it or there's just different things to take each time I listen. So I hope you guys all have a wonderful, wonderful week. And I look forward to walking with you and helping you find your grit while completely covering you in grace.